International Orienteering Podcast Mapping Compass Navigation Skill Orienteering Competition like International Orienteering Podcast International Orienteering Podcast uh, Warmly welcomes you again to a new episode uh, And uh, this week uh, it's uh, not only the last episode in uh, January 2024 it's also an anniversary. Do you know why, Ivar uh, Lunanes? Oh, is it? Uh, do we have a round number of episodes or something like that? <laughs> yeah, we have a round number. Yeah, that's right. Correct. Uh, uh, but uh, we don't celebrate too much that it's uh, number uh, episode number eighty. We can uh, just go on to the news sec- section here. Yeah, so in today's news, we have a little bit of, yeah, not everything is actually news, new, uh, new news. Uh, something has been, yeah, I mean, published a little bit under the radar. Uh, so we, we have some, yeah, some interesting ty- things from the IOF, for example. Uh, some news about the Jaywalk 2025 and also about, yeah, the future World Cup and so on. Uh, we start with the uh, news about uh, the Jaywalk uh, 2025, as you mentioned. Yeah, so Jaywalk 2025 is going in Italy, and it's uh, yeah, it's until last week or so. Uh, it's always been yeah, it's going to be in the uh, Bormio region, uh, which is in Lombardy, in north of uh, north of Italy. Uh, but it's been, it was very very quiet. Um, no signs of a new bulletin or something like that uh, and more info than just the embargo areas and then yeah uh, one and a half week ago um, they updated the event in the event page for jwalk 2025 with a new bulletin and now we can see that the jwalk is not going to be organized in borneo it's going to be organized in in trento in the trentino region so they have moved uh, from one part of Italy to another part of Italy uh, with just one and a half year to go. Uh, I don't know all the facts and all the reasoning behind, but uh, from what I understand, there's been some financial issues in the Lombardy region, uh, probably connected to the Olympic Games that they are organizing in 2026. So maybe there was no money for, for orienteering. Uh, but yeah, so it will still be in the north part of Italy. Uh, so I guess the terrain still kind of the same similar type of terrain um I, I haven't been studying the embargoed area so closely but i think it's it should be very close to the the vuk 2014 areas not the same maps but yeah um, i think uh, for those who remember world champs in 2014 and the maps there i think you have a picture of what's waiting for for the jaywalk next year yeah quite uh, quite interesting terrain there and uh, lots of uh, challenges uh... And more about 2025, uh, there were some, uh, what I would call, uh, sad news. Yeah, or a strange news. Um, so this IOF Foot Orienteering Commission, they have five, four, four or five meetings every year uh, discussing a lot of things about their yeah, big international events and so on. And yeah, after every meeting, there is a very detailed report. And I think not a lot of people are reading those reports every time they're coming out in detail. Uh, I'm not doing that. Uh, and apparently I've missed some very, very interesting part that has been mentioned here before. Uh, so 
in the fourth meeting of 2023, the, the meeting was held in September, uh, the World Champs organizers of 2025 in Finland, they reported that there had been an embargo breach, meaning someone had been running or being in the embargoed area for WUK. Uh, and then at the next meeting in the November, um, it was noted that the, yeah, the embargo breach that was noted in the previous meeting has now been resolved with the organizers deciding to ban athletes concerned from participating in any possible competition that might take place in the terrain where the violation happened. Meaning that for the world champs in Finland, there was, I think it was five or six quite big areas that were embargo, and now it's maybe four or five. Uh, one of those areas will be used for the World Cup next uh, or in the end of 2024. Uh, and the other areas are potential world champs terrains. So that means that uh, the athletes, which we don't know who are, uh, they will not be running any event in that terrain where they have been breaching the embargo. Um, so, I mean, there is three possible outcomes. The runners in question, they could miss the World Cup if that's the terrain they broke, the breach, where they broke the embargo. Uh, they could miss a specific WUK race or all WUK races if they only use one arena for the World Champs. Uh, or they can be lucky in the embargoed area they are they were in are not being used for the world champs so i mean we don't i don't know who it is um i guess somebody knows who it is but yeah the the rumor mill hasn't reached me yet uh, so it will be interesting to see if if we go to the world cup in in the end of september maybe there are some runners that are missing and we don't know why then it could be because of this uh, if someone is just missing from world champs uh, then it could be because of this, um, and I think it's uh, it's it's a bit shame that uh, the organizers are not being public with it because it, yeah, I mean it can lead to speculation if yeah, I mean if some runners are are sick at the World Cup, uh, or yeah, they they don't go because the federation doesn't have money, then I mean people can start to think oh maybe it was this person who did that, um, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's not uh, so good. Uh, and I also tried to get some uh, rumors um, uh, about uh, who it uh, is uh, in this uh, actual case. Uh, but uh, my Finnish um, friends wouldn't tell. So uh, uh, then the speculation is going on. Uh, and if someone is uh, sick uh, or injured uh, in some actual of those races you mentioned there. Yeah, and then I think it's, uh, I mean, these embargo breaches are interesting because uh, if it's if it's a foreign runner or, or a runner that is not from a local club, then, I mean, the question is like, how did they get a map, for example? Uh, did, they, did they go there with the old map? I mean, embargo breaches that can happen uh, if you are being sloppy. I mean, I've actually... Uh, been responsible for one uh, a similar situation uh, I don't know if you have heard about that because, but that was before the Norwegian night champs in 2021 uh, so it was organized in, it was going to be organized in Oslo uh, by the club Lillomarka and it was like this huge uh, area embargo and we knew that it was going to be held from the skiing arena in the south of the embargo and then yeah, we were doing some training on a map that we had gotten from Nydal, where, Ni where Nydal were organizing Norwegian Championship 10 years earlier. Uh, and then I was, of course, that was my responsibility. I was making training. I was not 
fine checking the details of the embargo because I was thinking, yeah, but we are we are way north of that. And then we were actually running on a hill that was on the edge of the embargo, uh, and which which was not a fun situation when we discovered it. Uh, but yeah, uh, luckily, um, yeah, we have had the dialogue with the with the organizers. Uh, yeah, that that part of the embargo and a little bit more uh, that we had been touching in that were, yeah, not going to be used at the at at the championship. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I felt so bad about uh, doing that, so I couldn't run. So instead of running that race, I was uh, volunteering myself to be a part of the webcam production and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, it can happen. You can be unlucky, but I mean, you can also be trying to to play on the gray zones. Yeah, uh, that was. Uh... Yeah, you were not uh, doing uh, your uh, homework uh, ahead of the training, I would say there. No, then, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone that is thinking about the World Championship, uh, when you're traveling to Kupio, uh, to that area, uh, you probably should know where, you should probably do your homework. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Some more about uh, future races. Yeah, so... Yeah, some news about the the coming World Cup. Uh, I mean, this is also not new, but the uh, the World Cup in Idre uh, in twenty twenty five that was supposed to be before Yukola is now moved to off the weekend off the Yukola, uh, which means it's only fifteen days between the last race at the World Cup round and the middle distance qualification at the World Championship, and that. That will be interesting to see if that creates issues. Um, will we see top runners skipping Yukola? Will we see top runners skipping uh, the World Cup? Uh, I think it's yeah, it's not optimal. I think it would have been much, much better if they could organize the World Cup in Idre at the original plan date in the first half of June. So you had a, yeah, a period before the World Champs, uh, a bit longer period without any big competitions. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how different national teams are are dealing with this issue, and if we might see a, a reduced field in, for example, at the World Cup in Idre. Uh, yeah, that could be uh, that could be uh, uh, with the World Cup uh, in the middle of that sandwich. Uh, it, it could be the loser in that uh, question. But yeah, uh, and I think uh, yeah, for for example, um, it's it's a hard combination to do. Uh, yeah, for example, those guys who are in the men's relay that are running long, long legs at Yukola at night or at the last leg very early in the morning. And then there is a World Cup long distance already on the Thursday. It's going to be a shortened long distance from what I understand. So maybe a winning time of 70 minutes or something like that. But still, it's quite tough to do that four days after after Yukola. Uh, we saw, for example, this year that the, that the Swiss team had a, the, the VUC long distance selection race four days after Yukola on the Thursday. And that was a very long race. I think the winning time was about 140, 145. And yeah, we saw some, yeah. So a lot of guys that were running good at Yukola, they were struggling four days later. And so I think maybe, I think the biggest risk is that people are going to the World Cup and they run the long distance and they run the middle distance and then they are skipping the relay. Um, because yeah, the World Cup relay, how much does that really mean? And um, Compared to individual races, so yeah, I think um, I think we can see some strange or strange selection seen from the outside because people will prioritize different for for the world champs. 
I actually have a story on that one in, in, in 2016 uh, with a really wet Jukola. Uh, uh, there was also a selection race for Switzerland just a couple of days after Jukola. And uh, Daniel Hobman, uh, he was running last leg for Kuve in the lead. And uh, he was, uh, they were catching up on him uh, in the last leg there. And, uh, and then he uh, got, uh, got a message on the passing of the arena and then he uh, speeded up. Uh, and after, and he secured the win, the first ever win for Kuve. And then after the race, I asked uh, Daniel, uh, did you take it a bit easier there uh, because of the selection race? Uh, and then he said, yes, it was good. There was a passing, so I got a message. Uh, I had to speed up. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he started with a lead of yeah, like five minutes. And then at the arena passage, it was down to yeah, just over one and a half minutes or something like that. And then he increased a bit uh, in the end uh, and, and stayed away. But it was, yeah. I don't think it was much more than a minute uh, down to the next team at uh, the finish. No, it was a bit uh, critical there, uh, especially with the arena passage. So yeah, uh, but then that's uh, how it uh, how it is when uh, when there is a tight wood races. Uh, but uh, he secured the win there, and uh, yeah, and he has got a lot of wins earlier also in orienteering. <clears throat> he knows how to prioritize. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, more about the future World Cup. Yeah, also for 2025, we know now where the, the World Cup final will be held. It will be held in Uster in Switzerland. It's just outside of Zurich. It will be a full sprint round, uh, which makes sense as the sprint world champs in 26. As there's a sprint world champs in 26. Uh, what I think is good is that the 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 World Cup final will be in the end of September, meaning that there is no collision between the World Cup final and Shivemana. That's always a bit of a question mark. Will it be a collision this year? Will it be not? And yeah, hopefully we will see all the top runners at the Shivemana in 2025 as well. And, uh, and, and also we have some, uh, uh, some more news uh, about, uh, about uh, international yeah, so the final the final point about the international stuff is that uh, there is discussion in the Foot Orienteering Commission committee uh, about the, the future of the World Cup. Uh, because as the World Cup is now, uh, the starting fields in some of the World Cups are beginning to be too big to handle for the organizers. Uh, and yeah, there is talks that they want to yeah, significantly reduce from 2025 uh, the number of people that are allowed to start because we have seen in the World Cup, yeah, it's often been way over 100 runners in each class. Um, it's been up to almost, I think most is about 140 people in Davos uh, one and a half year ago. Um, and I mean, yeah, with a two-minute starting dwell in the middle distance, 140 people, that is a lot. If you have 130 people, in a long distance with three minutes starting to well, I mean, that's the whole day. Um, so, yeah, it will be interesting to see how they solve it because, I mean, there is an obvious solution. I mean, you give the, the nations less spots. Uh, so, for example, now the top the top six nations in the ranking, they can bring eight runners. Uh, and then from seven to 14, you can bring six runners and so on. Uh, and all the other federations, get they get four places. I mean, a likely solution is that you yeah i mean you you take away one spot from each nation uh, that should 
increased and decreased the field with about yeah 20 25 30 runners uh, maybe you can be some stricter down below as well so you maybe have instead of having the top six get the the most runners maybe you go down to top five instead of seven to ten to 14 get the same maybe you give from seven to 12 or something like that um there are many options and it will be interesting to see what the yeah what the coming what eof will come to uh, with the solution uh because it's it's a hard balance because you really want the world cup to be big uh, but you don't want it to be too big. I remember back to, yeah, if we jump 10, 8, 10 years back in time, uh, it was often not only like, yeah, 40, 50, 60 runners taking part in the World Cup rounds. Um, and I think it's it's much better to have 130 than to have 50. Uh, but maybe you can, if you can have around 90 to 100, that would, be, um, that would be enough to give the feeling that it's a really, really big event, but it's not too big for the organizers to handle. So, uh, uh, what's the yeah uh, the best uh, proposals there is to uh, to have it uh, with uh, some decreasing in the in the runners from each nation then. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's better to take maybe one spot from each of the three levels, and not so you remove two spots from the big nations and then let the smaller nations have basically similar number and yeah, I mean you want to have every all all the nations should all should always have the possibility to send at least three runners so there's enough for a forest relay team uh, but yeah I think uh, with these kind of discussions you can put up 10 different proposals and there will be good and bad things with all of them yeah should we send in a proposal here or no you know uh, we do it best when we we don't say it too much and then we complain afterwards yeah and that's always the best uh, um uh and there is also some news about uh Uringen uh, in uh, 2028 was announced uh, the organizing clubs and uh, the city for that uh, big or maybe world's biggest event in 2028 uh, it will be in Sundsvall uh, have you been in Sundsvall uh, doing orienteering? Oh, I think I was up there one time for a Swedish league final. Uh, but yeah, I haven't been too much up in the north of Sweden. Uh, except, yeah, I was at Uringen in Boden in 2013 and in Örnsköldsvik in 2018. Uh, but yeah, Sundsvall, they have a lot of nice terrain, nice maps. So I have quite high hopes for Uringen there. Uh, I mean, yesterday I entered for Uringen this year in in yeah in, where is it in on the southeast coast uh Oskarshamn, and looking forward to that next year it's in jönköping that can be interesting and then you have Göteborg and stockholm which is yeah quite boring i think because you know there's so much other events in, around stockholm and Göteborg. Uh, but then sundsvall that sounds exotic uh, even for me that lived yeah six years in sweden uh, that sounds uh, like something that is very nice to go to yeah, we saw also uh, that it was a really interesting terrain uh, there uh, when the Swedish champ uh, was up there uh, last uh, autumn. Um, from uh, what will come to what has been, uh, I noted that uh, Andreas Bok Björnsson had a really fast uh, run in a 3000 meters indoor race in Solentuna this uh, weekend. He was uh, just above eight. Minutes. Yeah, that's a that's a fast time. Uh, we also saw 
those of us who are active on social media so uh Kasper Foster and Simon Ebersol running 3000 meters on uh yeah non not in a race situation uh, but just a training in in Tenerife and both of them are running fast i think Kasper Foster had 8 8 12 uh, running alone and Simon Ebersol had 929 uh, with Kasper pacing her so i think both of them are running fast if you can run just over eight minutes as Bok Bjornsson did there, uh, 10 seconds faster than Kasper Fosse. Uh, it's, a, it's a good science for the season to it's coming. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but the season is coming. There's also some uh, changing clubs. The silly season. Yeah, I mean, I think most of the big stuff have already happened. Uh, but yeah, it's always something that is coming out in yeah end of January and February as well. Maybe even in March, just before the season really starts. Uh, but yeah, we saw we have seen that the one of the guys that was in the Swedish team that won the Jaywalk relay in Portugal 2022, uh, Jesper Johansson, he will be changing club from Ukolöftan, a smaller club on the southwest coast of Sweden, to Pankisanstad. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a junior world champion in a relay. He has to be a good runner. I I I can't on top of my head. I can't really see that. Think of that. I noticed him much this season or in twenty twenty three. But yeah, in twenty twenty two, he was really good uh, in his last year as a junior. So obviously, there is a lot of potential. Um, and if he if he can find back that form and yeah, step up a little bit, then he will be a a solid uh, addition to the Panke Sandstad team in the big release. Uh, for, from uh, Panke Sandstad and uh, Sweden, we moved to races this weekend. Uh, it was uh, quite uh, many good runners uh, in uh, Edinburgh in a big weekend there with the sprinter in terrain. Yeah, a lot of good runners. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's six months until World Championship in in scotland so obviously it was a good uh, good opportunity for many good runners to go there and yeah get a touch of the of the british sprint uh, yeah the british sprint maps the british sprint core setting and so on um, and we yeah so we saw a lot of good runners with a world ranking event on saturday and then another sprint on sunday um, so if we start with the women's class uh, on the on the on Saturday on the first race we saw Hanna Lundberg take a quite clear victory uh, almost half a minute out of Pia Jongvik and with Inka Nurminen in in third place uh, just over half a minute behind uh, and I mean yeah Hanna Lundberg she's established herself in the top 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 of the world uh, Pia Jongvik is up and coming uh, I think it's a really really good uh, sign uh, that she's yeah already Pretty close to Hanna Lundberg, but also ahead of a lot of good sprint orienteers. Uh, Inka Nurmin, and we know that she is one of the best Finnish sprinters. Um, so no no, no big surprises here, uh, I would say. Um, but yeah, uh, a good sign for for, for Pia Jongvik to one of our guests from earlier that uh, she's already confirming herself at a high, high level, at the elite level also. Uh, she came from uh, Australia to Uppsala and then uh, it was uh, as much as uh, 60 degrees uh, difference uh, in uh, temperature. That, that's quite uh, quite a lot, I would say. So yeah. It's, I've, uh, I've... it's a good, uh, good if she didn't get sick or uh, 
a sore throat uh, then, I would think. Yeah, I guess uh, the answers we will see next week. Uh, but yeah, uh, on the men's side, we saw also a, a, a big winning margin. And I think also here it's not a big surprise. Kasper Fosser, uh, 21 seconds ahead of Martin Regborn. Uh, Mika Kirmula in third place was 25 seconds behind. And then another step down to the yeah to to more Finnish runners in fourth and fifth place, Tim Oksan and Axel Rola, and then Chris Jones and Yannick Michels uh, in sixth and seventh place. But yeah, both of them yeah more than forty and fifty seconds behind Kasper Fosser. So that's a uh, that's big margins. We know that uh, yeah Yannick Michels is a very very good runner in sprint races. Uh, the Finns, they are strong. Martin Reborn, I mean, he, he was extremely good at the European Championship. So when Kasper Fosse is beating them with so much, uh, it's it's a big sign that his his training has been going very well the last few months. Uh, actually, I've uh, done some uh, journalistic work here and uh, talked to Kasper Fosse. Uh, he said that this race on Saturday, it was... Uh, his best uh, sprint race in a very long time. Uh, maybe the best uh, since uh, World Champs in Denmark in uh, 2022. Yeah, and I mean, he's coming straight off from two, three weeks in Tenerife with a lot of good training. Uh, the very fast 3,000 meter he did uh, clearly shows that his form is very, very good. And down in Tenerife, there's a lot of good possibilities for quality sprint trainings. And it's obviously it's obviously been working well. Yeah, now he's going for five and a half uh, week uh, high altitude training in uh, France. And then it will take a new 3000 meter uh, to see uh, how the effect has been after that. But uh, he did also run on Sunday. and we, But we can start with the women also there if you, we are done with the Saturday race. Yeah, so on Sunday, then Hanna Lundberg, she got beaten in the women's race. Uh, by bo- uh, the winner Venla Harju and Anne Dirkorn in second place and then Lundberg was third um, it was a bit closer here uh, with five girls within 21 seconds uh, with the British runner Charlotte Ward was fourth and Inka Nurminen was fifth and Pia Jongvik uh, with another good race down in sixth place uh, but yeah uh, the Finns they are Obviously in good form uh, on the women's side with yeah Nurminen with two good races. Venla Harju, she was fourth in the first race and now winning the second race. Uh, very good start for the of the 2024 season for the experienced Finnish runner. I think it's it's easy to think about her as a, a more of a forest runner because yeah, uh, she's had a lot of lot of good results in the forest. Um, but she's, she has also a lot of good results in the sprint back in the days. Uh, I think her first WUK medal, that was a sp- sprint medal in Home World Championship in Finland 2013. Uh, she has a, is it a fourth place or maybe a fifth place some years ago also? And she was also in within the top 10 of the of the sprint at the last Sprint World Championship in Denmark. So she's, uh, she's a very good sprinter. And I mean... With the results she has in the past, and if the training goes well, I, I think she should definitely be an outside contender for a, for a medal at the World Championship as well. Uh, about the sprint medal she got in uh, Wukat in uh, uh, 11 years ago, or just more than 10 years ago. Uh, and there is a story telling that uh, Morten Bostrom, he, he heard from the quarantine that uh, Van Lahari was doing good. And then he got uh, even more confident that uh, the prep from the Finnish team was uh, 
good. So he got really confident before he get, get out in the race and won his gold medal there in home soil. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's a but that's a that's a, a long time ago and we will see if there can be yeah two Finnish medals at the Spring World Champs next year. I mean in in Finland in 2013 they Boström won the gold and Harjo got the bronze medal. I think it it is possible for the Finnish team to reach something similar but it's not going to be easy. Uh yeah, and the men's class uh, on Sunday uh, was there some Finnish getting medals or podium there? Yeah, so Axel Rula, he was number three, uh, so ahead of Yannick Michels, uh, ahead of his teammates, ahead of Wojciech Hall and so on, but he was firmly beaten by Kasper Foster and Martin Regborn. Uh, this time it was only 10 seconds from Kasper Foster to Regborn, so yeah, from the day before Regborn was halving the distance between them. Um, I think once again it's, it's a confirmation, both of them have been doing good winter training, uh, both of them have very good sprint routines uh, they were in the t- top fighting for the medals at the european championship three months ago so it's no surprise that they are good also now uh good uh, uh good races there and there also was some uh, sprinting in uh, oceanian champs yeah so um european championship last autumn that gave some runners the free spots for the world championship and now we have also had the Ocean- Oceanian Championship. So now we can also have some free spots, personal spots given out to the winners here. Uh, and yeah, the first Oceanian Championship was the knockout sprint. I think it's the it should be the first time they are organizing it. Uh, it was quite big start field. I think it was around, yeah, around 60 runners or something like that in the qualifier. Uh, meaning that actually quite a lot of people got knocked out. But yeah, the fields in, in this races were not too deep so it was quite big margin behind uh, to qualify um, in the no- in the quarterfinal there was also quite big difference in level between the top runners and yeah and those who barely got on to the quarterfinals so not too many close battles in the quarterfinal and then in the semifinal it's even out even out a lot with the level of the runners and there was a tough tough fight to get into the final uh, and also in the final we saw on the women's side a very very close final on the men's side uh, quite spread out uh, so we can start with the women uh, in the women's final there was five runners within four seconds uh, emma biesmo the swedish runner she won the race uh, but lisa ingham one second behind in second place she is then the oceanian champion and she's the best uh, oceanian runner uh, the swiss the young swiss ines Berche was number three uh, with Tara Meloish and Amelia Horn taking the last medals in the Oceanian Championship with their fourth and fifth place. And uh, in the men's class? Yeah, so here we saw... Uh, we, we talked about uh, Tim Robertson last week and uh, that he's been struggling with injury and we weren't quite sure if he was going to run. Uh, he was able to run. Uh, he was quite far down in the qualifier, so I assume he was maybe taking it a bit easier there. Then he passed on in the semifinal, quarterfinal and the semifinal. Uh, but in the final, he was yeah, either he made a mistake or he was just out of out of gas because he was yeah in last place, quite far behind. Um, on the other side of the final heat, we saw Joseph Lynch uh, taking a clear victory, winning with almost ten seconds ahead of Ewan Schingler, uh, with Angus Haynes in third place. Uh, and then we saw the Swedish guest runner Joel Gulset in fourth place. 
but yeah, uh, Joseph Lynch with a clear win. Uh, I think it's yeah winning with ten seconds when the final is just over five minutes long. That's uh, that's a quite a big margin. Yeah, that's uh, quite impressive. And as you mentioned, it will give him a, give him a free spot to the world champs uh, coming summer. Yeah, and I think it's uh, good for. Normally, you know, the New Zealanders they would back Tim Robertson to secure the the personal spots for New Zealand, uh, but now Joe Lynch did it instead. Uh, so yeah, we will see four Kiwis in the. Hopefully, we'll see four Kiwis then in the knuckle sprint at World Champs. Uh, one we saw in the final in uh, World Champs in Denmark uh, was uh, Chris Jones, uh, and uh, he is our guest in this episode. Uh, and he will had a really good uh, sprint champs there in Denmark. Uh, he was in the final in the knockout sprint, uh, getting a medal uh, in the sprint relay. And unfortunately, he was uh, mispunched. Uh, he was standing as number three for some while in their um, individual sprint, but uh, he was disqualified and um, mispunched uh, there in the final. Uh, what uh, is your take on Chris Jones before we can hear what he has to say? Yeah, I mean, uh, we are we are the same age, so we've been to some races together back in the junior days, junior world champs, and so on, uh, university championship as well. And of course, I've I've seen him a lot. He's been running for a Norwegian club for many years. I've seen him a lot of the of the relays, and I think he's. Yeah, I mean, one of the best sprinters in in the in the world in the last ten years, uh, but un- being quite unfortunate uh, in the championships. Uh, we all remember. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned he was disqualified in Denmark last year. Uh, it was this in, in the World Champs in Latvia. He ended up within a restaurant kitchen or something like that when he. I think he was leading the race before that, or he was actually fi- at least fighting for a medal. Uh, he's one of those guys that. You you look back and you think how how has he not been winning more medals? He has one individual medal at European Championship, uh, but he's been so good for so many years, uh, so close many times. He has a lot of fourth, fifth, sixth places and so on. Uh, so yeah, we will see if if he shows up in in Edinburgh in the summer. Uh, maybe he can he can get the medal at the World Championship as, as well. Yeah, uh, we can hear what his uh, thoughts about the champs in uh, Homsol in Edinburgh this summer. Even National or Interring Podcast has uh, reached out to a very interesting uh, past runner uh, this time, uh, Chris Jones. Uh, how are you, Chris? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thank you for inviting me. Inviting me. Uh, yeah, Chris Jones, uh, I said you're a fast runner and uh, lately we have seen you use your uh, abilities in uh, mountain running, uh, cross-country running and so on, uh, mostly. Um, no, not so much orienteering lately. No. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I've always just enjoyed testing myself and... I, you know, I, I grew up as an orienteer. Um, orienteering was kind of my first sport, and I'll, I'll always be an orienteer. But I think, you know, the last couple of years and, and probably longer than that, I've, I've also enjoyed seeing how far I can as a pure runner. Um, because I think when I was younger, 
I wasn't as fast as I wasn't anywhere near as fast as I am now. Actually, I was probably a better technical orienteer than a runner when I was a junior. And now I think well, the last few years, certainly I changed that. So I was a better runner than a technical orienteer at times. Yeah, and uh, and your training, uh, what uh, is it? Uh, is it mountain running or is it uh, running back and forth uh, to work? Uh, how do you set up your training, uh, weekly training, so to say? Well, my my weekly training um, is a lot around work. So I I live in Dundee in Scotland, and I have a full time job, and I have to be in the office uh, three days a week at least. So I have a commute and I have to fit around that. Um, it's not, well, not flat where I live, but it's not uh, super mountainous either. So it's kind of interesting to try and train for mountain running when I don't necessarily have big mountains on my doorstep as well. Yeah, you have uh, performed... Uh, ex- uh impressively good uh, in mountain runnings uh, uh, when we take these uh, conditions into account uh, are you going to training camps or, or what do you do to do uh, perform uh, as best as possible thanks um honestly like I, i think the best thing i've been able to do kind of probably for the last five or ten years is I've I've been able to be kind of really versatile as a runner. So I know that if I'm I don't know whether it's the way I train or or kind of the training I've done in the past years or or kind of um just kind of who I am but um if I train a certain way I know that I can with a few specific sessions maybe sort of five or six weeks I can kind of turn my hand to anything so I've run fast 5k's and I've run long mountain races and I think probably the growing up doing orienteering really helped that because you know every orienteering race is different you never um you never have the same thing and you you certainly in the UK you race in forests on mountains in towns and sand dunes and it's all different terrain so um yeah i think i think um being a kind of jack of all trades being quite generally good at lots of things but maybe i haven't quite um solved the the puzzle of specialization yet No, but uh, what what do you enjoy most? Is it cross country, uh, trek, uh, running, mountain, or our favorite or interior? <laughs> I, I I honestly I enjoy kind of everything, and I, I I just I like I like training. I like the routine. I like um, pushing myself. I like the feeling after you've done a hard training session, and I like. Um, I'm a, I'm a kind of problem solver, so I like figuring out how I'm going to approach kind of a competition, how I get from my abilities now to what I need to 
to hopefully win a race. Um, and I, I just kind of enjoy that process. And whether that's in mountain running or track running or orienteering, um, I, I just, I, I love kind of challenging myself, really. Yeah, you had a great challenge and you solved the problems really good during the World Champs in Denmark yeah, one and a half years ago. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, a medal in... Uh, in the relay and uh, sixth place in the knockout, and uh, yeah, you were disqualified from uh, a third place in the individual sprint. Uh, and uh, yeah, can you do better than that in uh, home soil in this summer? Uh, are we wondering, or what? What's your uh, thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that's. Um, I think that's something I was wondering about as well for a long time. Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't know is the answer. Um, and I think if I was sure that I could do better than that, I'd be 100% in for walk in Scotland. But I think not knowing whether, well, not knowing whether, one, I can reach that level again, and two, whether I can be even better, it's kind of, it's giving me that pause for thought about whether, you know, whether I do that or whether I, um go off and do a different challenge um that kind of week in denmark was probably one of the kind of highlights of my sporting career um my performance during the week was kind of really up and down i think i raced kind of seven races all told with qualifications and rounds of knockouts and i probably had three good races and four bad races so I got myself to a really I got myself to a point where I was when I got it right I was at a really high level but I say I wasn't that uh, consistent and I think that's that's something I, I kind of have thought about a lot in the kind of last year and a half and then you haven't concluded yet uh, how to be a consistent uh deliver seven top races no no i mean and i i, I kind of like breaking down the challenge of orienteering into um as simple as it can be so you know the only thing that matters at the end of a sprint race is your time and the only thing that can affect your time is how fast you run and how far you run so you either need to run faster, either through being fitter or, uh, you know, take having less hesitation, reading the map faster and, and increasing the speed, or you need to run shorter distance. And so, you you know, you need to pick more right route choices. Um, and I think I, I certainly in, I, I don't know, I don't know the numbers, but in, 2022 I, I kind of I had the basis of everything but I probably just needed I don't know more hours more more kind of experience because I think I sometimes got that line wrong of um pushing a bit too hard or you know not having focus when I needed to uh, uh have you uh, uh what uh, makes you yeah uh, maybe have that focus uh, 
this summer? Uh, is it uh, is it triggering you that uh, Ralph Street is uh, taking medals in the World Cup? Uh, is that uh, uh, triggering you for uh, uh, taking part in the World Champs this summer? No, I mean honestly, that I'm I'm absolutely over the moon. Um, that was one of the um, so when I mispunched in uh, the individual sprint in um, in Denmark, so that was probably I said it was one of the best weeks of my career. But that kind of moment of being in the bronze medal and then disqualified was probably one of the worst parts of my career. Um, but one of the only kind of um, sorry, one of the only um sort of silver linings to that kind of day was just how well everyone else did so like it was awesome to see that you know Ralph was in on the podium um and we had Alice and Megan with two medals um and whether you know I I I'm really not sure about walk in Scotland um I think I think I said earlier I, I I'm I'm uh, very good at trying to do too much and, and ending up maybe not being as good as I want to be. Um, and so maybe it's, you know, I'm, I'm erring towards focusing on kind of other things. But, you know, British team is so strong, it's, especially in sprint. You know, I'm, I'll never, it's just not in me to retire so even if I'm not there in Scotland, I wouldn't rule out seeing me um, at Europeans next year or at the World Champs the year after. So it's, um, yeah, whether I do it or not this year doesn't really affect whether I come back in the future. <laughs> uh, how are you looking at it uh, right now? Uh, have you set a, a time uh, where you have to uh, finally decide you or... Uh, is it an open question until the selection races? I, I'm 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 leaving it as an open question until the selection races. Um, I'll I've have some early races, so I'm running uh, Trans Grand Canaria Marathon, which is a three and a half hour hill race, hopefully um, in February, and then I'm hoping to run kind of shorter distance mountain running after that um whether or not i'm on the start line of the races i'm going to leave open for as long as i can um you know i realize that might put me in a a difficult position when it comes to selections but you know i kind of i want to leave my kind of season open as much as possible um yeah. Is it? Uh, isn't it uh, uh, difficult to let the uh, home soil uh, world champs go slip away, or to use that word? Yeah. Um, honestly, I thought it'd be it would be more difficult, but I, not really. I I've done a world champs in Scotland. Um, I ran in twenty fifteen. Um, yeah. It was it was great, and I think it'll be a great experience for everyone in that team. But you know, it's just um, 
it's just finding that kind of um motivation and and it's whether i i'm not sure i've got the motivation if i could was to go back and you know be 10th again i've been i've been a lot of time around kind of six to ten or even inside the top six but not on the podium and yeah i just you know sometimes you know life is short and you've got to go do other things but um yeah oh. and uh, then then we have to uh understand when the selection races uh, for the british team uh, is and uh um, we we get to know this exciting. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the first selection race is at the start of May, and those will be for the World Cups. Um, and then the World Cups will be a a selection race, and then I think there's even selection races after that. Um, but my understanding is they want to have the team mostly selected after the World Cups. So there may only be one or two spots available at those last selection races in June. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in running the European Mountain Running Champs, which are the same weekend as the second set of World Cups. So the Swiss set, I think. I understand. Yeah. Um, it's whether you know whether i can combine that with world champs i don't know um yeah and i don't the thing is i don't want to i don't want to do a disservice to the people who will be in the team and will have worked incredibly hard to be in the team and will come away with some really good results um you know if i if i if i get in that team i want to be um giving it you know 100 percent and a metal contender maybe yeah yeah um and honestly the hardest part of it is like the sprint relay uh i've always enjoyed racing the relays um i've always enjoyed racing the relays and um yeah it's uh that's probably the hardest part but then i don't want to be in the relay team and you know be the one that messes it up because i've done that and that's not a good place to be <laughs> uh, that, that, i totally understand that uh, but uh, you've also succeeded and that's yeah. a good uh, good uh, feeling uh, yeah yeah uh but uh, but um as uh, as we're talking now in january uh you're um, already um in good shape, uh, aiming for uh, results in Trans uh, Grand Canarian in one month's time. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm in good shape. I had um, I had some injury problems, kind of September October last year, um, and I kind of built up quite slowly from that. But I'm I'm in good shape. I haven't raced or tested myself in a while, so it's. It's hard to really know, but I think, you know, I think I can do a good performance in in a month's time, whatever that is. Um, and it's it's really it's uh, 
a good a good opportunity for me to just learn again at a longer distance because yeah racing those long hill races is um yeah it's a different ball game and it's a different kind of uh mindset required to to run a four-hour race compared to a a one-hour of 30-minute race and uh we who are the biggest nerds we will follow you in uh, all those races also but yeah. uh, the question is uh, if the orienteering nerds will see you in orienteering again you already mentioned uh, the europeans and uh, the world champs uh, in uh, two and a half years uh, yeah uh, um yeah I, I, it's not it's not in me to retire i just i could see me going away doing something for a year or two and then coming back with kind of renewed motivation um i i love I love orienteering as a sport. It's so um, there's so much to it. There's so much you can kind of get stuck into with kind of analyzing and you know looking at different training and how to get good. Um, I could certainly see myself coming back and and kind of trying for the national team again. Um, yeah, so. The thing with orienteering that I've always found difficult is um, traveling. You have to kind of, you know, you can only train so much at home because then you start to know the maps and it doesn't become or it becomes less difficult. Um, it's quite a commitment sometimes if you want to be really the best because you have to you know put the time aside to travel and go to camps and go to competitions um that are sometimes far away yeah definitely definitely you said you could see you running orienteering again and uh when you're running those long runs uh, do you also see yourself uh at the podium in orienteering again in your thoughts yeah i hope so um you know i i think I think there's no reason I'd be, oh, touch wood. I don't think there's any reason I'd be any less fit if I came back to orienteering. I think I've got a lot of kind of good training years behind me. And I think if I wanted to focus on the shorter distance again, and I think I could, you know, turn my fitness that way. Um, And then it's just a case of getting back into the the kind of right technical zone, which... um, yeah, it just needs just just hard work, isn't it? But you will see. Um, I'm hoping over the course of the year that I will do more orienteering this year, even just as a kind of locally. So you might see me at some uh, kind of competitions in Scotland or, or training, just to yeah, just have a bit of fun with it. Uh, and. Uh... For us orienteering nerds, so we can, uh, I, I will, uh, I'm sure uh, talking for every one of us that we will, it will be really fun to see you also uh, in uh, some big races in orienteering this season. But uh, you will uh, will have the question open uh, as we understand. And uh, until then, uh, we will just uh, 
be patient and uh, living in excitement. Uh, yeah. When you are doing the, all those exciting races in uh, in the mountains and so on. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for having time uh, to talk with us, Chris. Between all uh, all the work and uh, all yeah. the trainings. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The last part to go. Chris Jones there, uh, a really interesting uh, runner, I think, uh, uh, because he has so uh, many aspects in his uh, training and racing, uh, all from uh, track running uh, to uh, cross-country and uh, then mountain running and uh, sprint orienteering. And that may makes him also uh, be unsure if he actually will... Uh, be at the start line in um, world champs in home soil. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a lot of things to discuss from this interview, and I mean, yeah, one very very interesting point is that yeah, here we have a guy that uh, one and a half year ago he was definitely in the fight for the medals uh, individually. He was a key part of the British team winning a silver medal in the sprint relay. Uh, so I mean, on top of the world, and now with the home world championship you would think that he would be extremely motivated for that. Uh, but yeah, this is a guy that has been, yeah, I mean, he's been running six, seven world championships before. Uh, he has been, yeah, he has a very, very varied background in, in running. Uh, as you mentioned, he has been running, yeah, track running. He, he was, some years ago, he was trying to get into these Commonwealth Games representing Wales. Um He's been running very good in the mountain world championship, trial world championship, and so on. Um, cross country has been in running the European championship cross country. I think he's also been part of the British team that has won that team team race. Uh, but yeah, so he's a guy that has been through a lot of different exp- uh, experiences, and maybe that's also a part of why yeah, home world championship doesn't trigger him that much. Uh, as he mentioned, he has been doing one home world championship before, um, and yeah, he's questioning a bit: is he is he good enough to to win a medal? Is he good enough to do better than he did in Denmark? And if if he doesn't think he can do that, then it's understandable that he might struggle a bit with the motivation. Uh, I think he definitely can do better than he did in Denmark. Uh, I think I think he's a guy that on a good day he can win the world championship. Uh, no doubt uh, but then you know to to be able to do that he would need to be motivated and it's not enough to be motivated just the last few weeks for world champs i mean nowadays people are spending investing so much time in preparing and that it's it's hard to think that you can do that and be and not do that and be competitive even if you're in great physical form um, if your preparations are not on point technically uh, it will be hard so it, it's very interesting to see what's happening the next few months. Of course, he's running this uh, this big trail race now uh, in February, and then we will see if he shows up at the World Cup in 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 Switzerland. Um, he mentioned that the, there's this European Mountain Championship. I think that's the second weekend, so it's the same weekend as the World the World Cup in Italy. Uh, and I think, yeah, I mean, it is it, it should be possible to combine run run a few sprints races in Scot in in Switzerland. And then the next weekend run mountain championship. Uh, but yeah, um, as it sounds now, I'm not too optimistic that we will actually see him in, in Scotland. Uh, but I mean, it's six months 
a lot of things can happen. Uh, he re- he did the first orienteering race now uh, for a long time, and obviously he enjoyed it in Edinburgh. Uh, so hopefully that gives him some uh, some motivation for preparing very good for the world champs in Scotland. Uh, worth mentioning also that uh, in between all this is. Uh... Uh, working 100%. Uh, I don't think there are so many in the top point during uh, runners who, who are uh, working uh, that much uh, in uh, civil uh, work. No, and I, he also has a lot of uh, very interesting articles about training, different different athletes uh, training on uh, uh, You can find it, his link uh, on his social media. And I'm not sure if that's a part of his job or is that just something he does on a hobby next to all the training and next to all the, all the working. Um, but yeah, it's uh, very interesting with Chris Jones, uh, the way he trains. Um, he has a very, very interesting background. I think he has a PhD in biomechanics in, in sport. Uh, and he has a lot of interest in, in different training styles and so on. Um, he's, he's, he's been always been logging the training on attack point. So you can go back and see what he's been doing over the last yeah, 15 years or something like that. Um, so he's a, he's a very interesting guy, even if, so even if he's not going to, even if he's not going to run the, um, the world champs this summer, maybe he comes back in the future. Maybe he doesn't, but I think, uh, yeah, with his, 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 his thoughts of training and yeah, what he posts in social media and so is very very interesting uh, for yeah for all runners actually. And uh, also next week uh, we will have an interesting guest. Uh, if you don't have any hot or not, uh, we will uh, go out on this one. Yeah, I think uh, we are now for the first time in quite some time we're reaching over one hour of podcasting we had uh, quite a lot of short episodes and i think that's a indication that the orienteering season is is getting really really uh, on and that there's uh, a lot of stuff to talk about yeah and there will be more also next week so uh, find us also then and thanks for now bye bye Mannen dro ut och löp orientering med kart och kompass och med riktiga sko. Sikta sågar ett bästa notering för kroppen var lätt och god. I vår national orientering podcast, mapping compass, navigation skill, orientering competition. Jag har mött nog jävligt på, på bostad och för. Running like a motherfucker. I vår national orientering podcast.